So Nick, uh, first of all, I can introduce yourself for the coaches in Taiwan. Yeah, I'm I'm Nick Garcia. I'm a uh, strength and conditioning coach and track and field coach in uh, California, United States, California. Um, been doing it for 20 years, and I work with all levels um, from youth all the way up to, I guess you could say, uh, professional. So. Uh, fairly experienced in all, all realms of, of ages and uh, experience levels. Nice, nice. So uh, the first question is, I know that you utilize the bone chunk method for uh, tons, of, tons of athletes. So first thing first, can you like introduce what exactly is the bone chunk method and how is it different with the traditional approach? Well, first off, let's start off with uh, the periodization process. So typical periodization, uh, you load the athlete, load the athlete, load the athlete, and you back them off and you taper them according to load and volume, et cetera. Um, when you back out the volume and, and go to medium intensity, typically they have a big upswing in their performance levels. And that's the typical way of doing things, at least in my experience. Now, the Bonderchuk system uh, the athlete peaks based on, on their, on when they want to peak. So we, in the traditional system, we manipulate it to where we want, when we want the athlete to peak in the bottom truck system, the athlete peaks when their body is ready to peak. So, um, how, how can I explain it? Each, each athlete that I work with has a different pattern. And so, uh, before we move on to the patterns, let's start with how you classify things. So, uh, exercise classifications. You have the competitive exercise. So let's take track and field, for example. The competitive exercise is throwing the shot put, throwing the hammer, throwing the discus. That's your CE. Then you have your specific development exercise. That's a movement that uh, mimics the actual throwing movement, like the shot put or the discus, but you're not using the implement. You're using some type of different implement, a heavy dumbbell, a heavy kettlebell, uh, something along those lines, and you're just mimicking it. So it's called a specific development exercise. Then you have your specific preparatory exercises. That's your your clean, your squat, uh, kind of like your multi-joint movements. And then you have your general preparatory exercises, which are movements that don't necessarily, you know, are using the total body. Um, the basic way we classify it is, is, uh, a twisting movement, a back stabilization movement, a abdominal movement, and a frontal plane movement. Typically, we do that in circuit fashion. And so you have four classifications, your CE, your SDE, your SPE, and your GPE. And typically, you have between six to eight movements within a, a session, okay? So when you set up your training, you do the same thing every single day. And your, your intensity is typically at between 60 to 70%, but you're training it every, every single day. Like, so uh, typically our, our uh, days we train are two days on, one day off, two days on, one day off, two days on, one day off. Now, if you're an athlete who needs a set schedule, you go three days on, one day off, two days on, one day off. So you go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, off Sunday, and that'll give you the same schedule every week. If you're going two by one, two by one, two by one, it's going to change each week of what days your days are off and et cetera. So um, each day we measure 
the throw. So uh, if we're throwing a – so in America, let's say you're coaching a uh, female athlete, we're throwing – or actually all over, you throw a four-kilogram shot, put a four-kilogram hammer, a one-kilogram discus, and I believe a 600-gram jab. So if we're working with shot putters, let's say we throw a uh, five-kilo shot, a four-kilo shot, and a three-and-a-half-kilo shot in training. We're going to measure the best throw with each of those implements and track them inside an Excel spreadsheet or some kind of Google Sheets or, or whatever you typically use. And each day, we're going to put their best result in. And within a certain amount of time, there's, you'll start, uh, you'll see a develop a pattern develop. Okay, It'll go up, it'll go down, it'll go up. And all of a sudden, depending on how many programs you're doing, is you'll see a big peak. And then it'll hold there for a little bit, and then you'll see a drop off. Now, the trick is, is we want to change things before you have that drop off, right? We want to try and maintain that peak. And if we have a big competition coming up, we'll go to into maintenance and we'll hold that. And if we don't have any competitions coming up, we'll cut before we have that big drop off. We'll go into a cleanse or a rest or a part cycle, they're called. There's three different names for it, cleanse, rinse, parts, rest parts. And uh, we'll do that for about 15 sessions. And then we'll go back into what we call a developmental cycle. So what I just uh, ex explained was a developmental cycle. And since we classified the exercises, classify the cycles as well. Um, you have developmental cycles, you have maintenance cycles, and you have rest or cleanse part cycles. Now, the developmental cycle is what I just talked about, is when you develop a, um, a peak and a pattern. A cleanse cycle is meant to keep the athlete's muscles active, um, but also to cleanse out all the exercises we did in the developmental cycle previously. So um, what, would, what would a cleanse cycle uh, contain? We would only throw a light implement. So we would only throw, uh, if we're throwing a 4K as a female shot putter, we're gonna throw 3Ks only. And we're going to do a body weight circuit in between every five throws. So we're gonna take five throws with the shot put, then we're going to do like a med ball heave for height. We're going to do a med ball long twist. And we're talking like a three kilo med ball, not heavy. We're going to do a uh, squat and press maybe with that med ball. We're going to do a uh, V up or some type of abdominal exercise. That's a body weight. And some type of back stabilization exercise like a prone cobra, prone swimmer, uh, Superman, fish out of water type movement. And we're going to repeat that four times. Okay. Every time we do five throws in that body weight circuit, that's considered a part, okay? So typically four parts per workout. So we'll do four of those uh, circuits per workout. Now, it's super important that this gets done because if you don't do it right, the next developmental cycle, you won't have the same pattern you had in the previous cycle. And that's what we want to develop. We want to develop the, the athlete's pattern every time. So we know when uh, to uh, peak the athlete or plan a new developmental cycle when we got a big competition coming up. So um, I've done it before where we've had two few uh, part sessions or rest sessions and it didn't line up at all. And so what I did the next next part session is I let it go extra long. So instead of doing uh, three parts per session and 15 uh, sessions, let's say, so we're talking 45 parts, I went four parts per session and 20 sessions. And so that would be 80 parts and that was perfect. And so I've always kept it at four parts at 20 sessions. Um, and then the next development cycle always lined up. 
and you also develop a pattern. We measure the implements during the parts rest cycle because you also develop a pattern during that time as well. So you have an idea how you react to it. So our whole thing is how are you reacting to the uh, developmental cycle? How are you reacting to the rest cycle? Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I know Derek Evely have like the Bonachuk method used with um, Thoros. So Nick, what type of athlete do you use the Bonachuk method? What other types of athletes can we use yeah. it with? Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, you can you can use it with uh, you know almost almost anything. But in order for you to use it with other teams, you have to have the coaches kind of lined up, and you guys all got to be on the same page. Because um, the whole plan is is you got to kind of do the same thing every single day. So let's take let's take soccer for example, or or, or football, right? If you're doing football, okay, you can use the, the training system, but what you need to do as well before you train, you need to do some type of test so you understand where the athlete is as far as how they're feeling that day or, or where their, their peak is at. So we may start off with a, a, say a, a general warm-up, and then we might do three standing broad jumps and write down the distance for that. Or we may do some type of med ball, overhead med ball throw, write down the distance for that, or even the vertical jump. So you have data each day on where the athletes at as far as their their peak um, or as far as where their their pattern is now um within that different teams have their practices run different ways so let's take american football for example the typical pattern for american football would be uh we have our, our warm-up then we have our individual skills like the positional skills then we have um, what we call seven on seven and seven on seven is just uh, the receivers and the quarterback and the running back versus the defense, which is the linebackers and the defensive backs. Then you have inside run, which is the whole front line and the running back and the quarterback versus the linebackers and the front line of the defense. And then you have team period. Now, if you run it like that every day and do the same type of skills every single day, then it shouldn't line up. The problem with the Dr. B system is that, well, I don't know. It's not a problem. But the challenge of the Dr. B system is that if you start changing things, uh, let's say, for example, um, you do something completely different one day, then you do the next day, then you do the next day, then you do the next day, your adaptation pattern is going to be far different because you're getting all these different stimulus and you're never going to be able to adapt to that one thing. And that's what's going to throw things off in the, the team part of the system. But if you have coaches that are on the same page and understand what, how the system works – then you can do it with pretty much any any team that you want to do it with. Can I can I understand it this way? If I want to use the Bonnerchuk Bonnerchuk approach for different types of athlete in the weight room, their like skill skill practice probably should do the do the same thing. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, they should have their skill practice, and each day when they're doing their skills, they should do the same type of skill practice each day. Um, followed by their uh, weightlifting um, or their athletic performance practice. Uh, now, you could do it vice versa. You can do your athletic practice, performance practice first, and then do your skill practice after. That's fine. But as long as it happens the same way during throughout the whole cycle, so you develop the same pattern throughout the whole cycle. Nice. So you mentioned that for, uh, for the traditional periodization approach, the athlete peaks at 
when we want them to peak. But mm-hmm. uh, Bonachok approach peaks at the athletes, the athletes' ability when they adapt it, they peak it. Am I right? Yeah. So, so when they adapt, yeah. that's when that's when they that's when they're going to hit their peak, and it's almost it's different for pretty much everyone. So how exactly? Let's say if I'm a uh, track guy, uh, probably a shorts. I'm running a 100 meter, but what if they like peak like uh, two weeks before the meet or like three weeks before the meet? What happens next? Okay, so when you first start running the Dr. Beef system is you want the developmental cycle to run extra long to make sure that you understand where their ups and their downs are at and where their true up is at. You're going to have ups and downs like, for example, session three through five of the developmental cycle, I had a little bit of a peak. Then I kind of drop off. Then I go back up between 15 and 19. Then I have a little drop off. Then I'll go back up at 30 again. And typically between 30 and 40 is when when we're at our whole, our, our peak performance level, right? So the first thing is to develop the pattern. Now, once you develop that pattern, you start counting backwards from the main competition you want to be ready at. And when you start counting backwards, that's when you want to start your new developmental cycle. Now, let's say that you have a number of competitions in a row that you need to be good at. So uh, we'll take American sports, for example. Let's take, for example, the NCAA system, the track and field system. They have to be ready to go at their conference meet. Two weeks later, they have their regional meet. Two weeks later, they have their national meet. And typically, two weeks later, they have uh, the USA Nationals or the, the National Championships, right? So that's a tough thing to do to keep a traditional peak alive for. That's hard. Um, the Dr. B system works extremely well for that because what we do is – what I would do is I would have the peak for their conference meet, right? After their conference meet, we talked a bit about the rest cycle. We talked about the developmental cycle. So when you're looking at developmental cycle, okay, we peak through the developmental cycle at the conference meet. Well, there's no time to do a cleanse phase or a rest phase followed by the developmental cycle because you only have two weeks, right? Most people it takes, you know, a month, month and a half to hit their peak form when doing a developmental cycle. So what you do is you go into maintenance and the maintenance cycle is, um, is its reasoning is to hold that level of, of competition or, or your level of performance, excuse me, um, throughout the time you're in maintenance. So what we're going to do is there's two options. You have the traditional option uh, in the Dr. B system where you change every exercise every two weeks. So all the exercises in the developmental cycle, we're going to change that, all of them. Okay, so we're going to go clean to snatch. We're going to go squat to step up. We're going to go bench press to dumbbell incline bench. And we're going to change the general preparation circuit, the GPE circuit. Every two weeks, we change everything. And if we're talking throwing events, we're going to change all the implements. Now, that does a really good job of holding your performance because you're you're, you're adjusting the stimuli okay, every two weeks, and you're getting a little bit of a, a, a pop off of that. Now, the way I've been doing it now is kind of a new way. It's called terracing it. And so as soon as we hit our peak form – Okay, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to change one exercise. Okay, so we're going to change the implements, let's say. So we're going to change, if we're throwing a three, like I said, 5K, 3.5K, we're going to drop down to a 4.5K and a 
3.5K and still keep the 4K involved in, in it. After two sessions of that, but everything else is going to be the same. After two sessions of that, we're going to keep those implements, but we're going to change the clean. We're going to change that to a snatch. And after two sessions of that, we're going to change the squat to a step up. After two sessions of that, we're going to change the whole GPE circuit. And so every two sessions, you're changing something. So you get a little bit of a stimuli, but you're not doing wholesale changes where the whole body's shocked. And that has worked the best for us. So that's how you would keep that peak if you had to keep that peak for a number of weeks in a row. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't want to like dive a little bit deeper into like the phases you mentioned, like the, the developmental phases and the crimson phase and maintenance. Clemson. So there's like, like you mentioned, there's like four classification of exercise. There's like these four, four phases, but all have like the four, uh, four uh, different category, category of exercise. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So during those phases, um, the maintenance phase is very, very much the same as the developmental phase. You just have to change the exercises. That's what maintenance is. The rest phase is all body weight movements or, or med ball movements, let's say. So very light. And we're just keeping the muscles active. And so in the, in the cleanse phase, there's no real exercise classification. We just classify it as a, uh, an explosive movement, a uh, twisting movement, a, um, a lower body movement, a back movement, and an ab movement. And, and, that, and that's it. For during that time, like I said, we're just trying to keep the muscles active. So when we do move into the next developmental cycle, they're not completely sore when we go to all those other movements like they haven't done anything. So it keeps them in a little bit of fitness level. Um, and that that cleanse phase isn't – it's not easy because there's a little bit of a fitness component involved because you're going to circuit throw, th circuit throw, circuit throw. Or if you're doing it for other sports, you don't need to do your throws in between, obviously. You can, you know, you can rest in between and do something like that. Do some type of skill during in between each circuit, et cetera. So did you use this kind of approach for all the athletes you train? I use it for my uh single sport athletes. So if you're just a track and field athlete only, we are using this system. Um basketball, I've used it for we're very successful in basketball at our school. I've used it for basketball. Um because it's super challenging to get basketball guys to lift often, the ones who don't like to lift. So this, what this does is we do the same movements each day so they get really good at them. And when they get really good at them and know what to do, they get more comfortable with them. And when they get more comfortable with them, they're more likely to be, how I say it, motivated to do them. Um, so it's worked really well with, with that. And every time we start in the type of system I use the basketball guys, when I feel they've kind of plateaued in that exercise – I'll either make them add weight to that exercise or we'll change the exercise. But that's typically how we'll do it with the basketball crew. But every track and athlete, field athlete that is a single sport athlete, meaning they don't do any other sport, that's what we're using. Nice, nice. So uh kind of want to uh, ask a little bit more about like the peak you mentioned. So when we implement the traditional periodization approach, there's basically like uh let's say like four weeks of uh hypertrophy and then rest of the week, deload a week, then a max for max max sorry, max strength 
and deload and then power whatever it is. So in the bonder truck approach, did uh, did, do you guys need to deload? And and be and the reason why the traditional approach need to deload is they they don't want their athlete to be like um fatigue. So how do you like manage fatigue for the Bonnachuk approach? Yeah, the first thing is is that one of the real positives of the Bonnachuk approach, especially in a technical technical like event, is that you're only training between sixty and seventy percent. Now, granted, you're training two days on and one day off and doing the same thing every day, but since you're training between sixty and seventy percent, the objective is to move the bar as fast as possible. So you're really training that, you know, speed power aspect of it. And at the same time, since you're doing it every single day, you're getting a lot of volume, right? Now you're doing, you're getting this volume. And at the very end of the month or the cycle, your tonnage is through the roof compared to a traditional system. It's almost double of what a traditional system would be. So you're able to train this, your, your event technically without being, your nervous system being shot because when you go in and we all know when we go in and do max, max squats, uh, heavy squats, et cetera, heavy deadlifts, it'll tax our nervous system for one or two days, especially that second day, you're no good. Right. And so in a sense, you can tell yourself, well, if I'm in a, a technical sport, my technique's not going to be very good there. So I'm not going to be able to work on my technique real well because my nervous system isn't firing. Well, using this type of system, you're not as fatigued. No, don't get me wrong. The volume catches up to you and you do have a little bit of a downward, downward phase, but, or downward period, but you're able to work on your technique every day and have the same feelings every day because you're not completely destroyed from a heavy squat workout, a heavy deadlift workout, et cetera. So the only way that we manage the whole fatigue thing is, is with that cleanse phase. So we throw that cleanse phase in. Uh, there's no, no, no intensity there per, per se. You're only using a 3K, 4K med ball. So there's no real managing that. Now, I do use a traditional system with my non-single-sport non athletes. So multi-sport athletes use that traditional system. And the way we do it is we have a, a, reg, a medium week, we have a heavy volume week, and then we have an unload week, and then we have a performance week, which is a low volume week but a high-intensity week. And so we have those built in there as well. But training at 60 to 70% with Dr. B's system, that's not necessary because you're not taxing that nervous system like you would with a traditional system, that heavy volume week in my traditional system, that really taxes the system. And most of the athletes are down during that period. Makes sense? Yeah. Why, why, you know, how we manage that? Yeah. So uh, since you guys only focus on 60 to 70% of uh, the max intent, um, how exactly do you like uh, increase their max strength or increase their power output? So their power output is we what we're doing is is we're you know like I said we're moving that bar as fast as we can every time right and so a lot of studies show that you know when you train let's say at seventy percent to eighty percent that's where you're getting your your most bang for your buck right in that area. So what I do is is I use velocity-based training to figure out their weights for the cycle. So we'll use the output uh, the output device. 
which is uh, a new newer version of a velocity-based training device like a Tendo or a Gym Aware, et cetera, but I use output. And so, for example, uh, speed strength, right, is what we want. That's that's primarily what we want. And that that realm is for the squat and the bench, deadlift, 0. 0.6 to 1.0. You can argue that the deadlift is 0. 0.5 to 0. 0.8. So what we'll do is, is when we're squatting and we're benching, I'm going to – their first day when we're trying to figure their weights out for their cycle, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a weight that they're pushing right around 0.5. So look, we're trying to be in 0.6, but I want to be right around 0.5 for their weight for that cycle for let's say three sets of three or three sets of five every day. And the reason why I do that is because when they start to adapt and start to hit peak form, they're going to jump into that 0.6 to 1.0, right? So if I start at 0.8, let's say I set their weights at 0 0.7, 0 0.8, when they hit peak form, they're going to jump out of that characteristic of speed strength and jump past, you know, they're going to be 1.1, 1.2. So um, we start below where we want to be. And then as they adapt, they start getting into where they want to be. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, that's how we do it. And let's not forget that when we're athletes, being strong helps, but only strong helps to a certain extent. So we're trying to become better athletes, more powerful, uh, more speed oriented, let's say. Um, we're not trying to be great weightlifters. We're not trying to be, you know, great power lifters. We're trying to increase our athletic performance. And we're using that weight room as a facilitator movement. We're trying to help what we're doing primarily, like throwing the shot, put throwing the hammer, playing soccer, playing football, swimming, etc. cetera. Um, so what you'll see is you'll see them get far better and far stronger doing it that way. I've had extremely, extremely strong kids and extremely powerful kids training in that manner um, and get a lot better just by training that way. So like I said, we don't look at the max strength aspect of it. We're looking at how much weight you can move, but how fast you can move it. So that's, that's the trick for us. Cool. So since you mentioned like velocity based training um, at the beginning of like the, let's say when this kind of like velocity based training kind of like get introduced to the strength and conditioning, they kind of like uh, implement into like every day they have like different one RMs. All right. So every day they're they're let's say they're 70% or that, like they're 60% are different. So how, how do you have, since you guys, like you mentioned, you only focus on 60 to 70%, but every athlete, have, let's say, like, probably they have, like, bad, a bad day or, like, the parents mm -hmm. get getting divorced. So it's in the – it's probably he, he's in a bad situation. So how does that work? Well, like you said – Studies have shown that an athlete's max can be plus or minus 18% per day. So if they have a rough night the night before, if I wanted to clean, you know, train at 80%, it might feel like 98% to them. If they're feeling really, really good, it may only feel like 62% to them, right? Uh, so um, we just set that speed where we, we want – we set the weight because, remember, they're coming off a cleanse phase. They shouldn't be fatigued when we set those speeds. They shouldn't feel horrible. And so we set those speeds there. Now, looking at your question from a traditional aspect, because in the Dr. B system, we keep the same weight no matter what. Once we set the weight, that's it. So if we find that that 
0.5 is at 100 kilos. We are staying at 100 kilos for the whole rest of the cycle. Looking at the traditional aspect of it, what they've done now is they have certain speeds for that that associate with the percentages, right? So instead of coming in and say, for example, let's say a volume week for us in a traditional sense is five sets of five at 75%. Well, I know that a certain speed, like let's say 0.6 is 75%, let's say, right? So I'm going to say, I want you to move between 0.63 and 0.67. And if you're above 0.67, it's too light. If it's below uh, 0.63, it's too heavy. So I want you to stay within that realm. So we understand what speeds they should be at for that percentage that day. Now, 0.63 to 0.67, one day it might be 100 kilos. The next day it might be 110 kilos. And the following day it might be, uh, you know, 50 kilos because they're feeling horrible in a traditional sense. Well, with the Dr. B system, it stays the same no matter what. Because if you change things, you change the stimulus, you change the weight, uh, it'll mess up the pattern. So um, we don't mess with it in that sense. But we do mess with it in a traditional sense. Nice, 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 so uh what like what got you into the what got you into like using this kind of approach instead of like uh the traditional approach at the first place a number of years ago my good friend of mine derek ely um he was coaching dylan armstrong and they would come out to california and hang with me and do a, a training camp and so I'd watch him do it, and Dylan had extremely good results from it. And so I said, you know what, I don't try or do anything unless I really understand it, and I got to experiment with it. So I had this this athlete named Kyle Swanson, and Kyle Swanson threw like 10 meters in the shot put uh, his freshman year, which isn't good, okay, with a, with a with a 10-pound shot, right? So with a like 4.25-kilo shot roughly. And so I figured, you know what, I'm going to try it on Kyle. Kyle's into it. He's a track only guy. Um, let's see what we can do. So I started experimenting with a system with him and he went from 10 meters his freshman year to 14 meters his sophomore year, which is a huge jump. Right. And then we really understood how his system worked and how his pattern worked. And he went from 14 meters with the 10 pound shot to uh, his junior year, he threw a 12-pound shot, and he jumped from 10 meters – or, sorry, 14 meters to 16.50. And then his senior year, he jumped from 16.50 to almost 18 meters. And, you know, we all know that the better you get, the harder it is to get better. But he kept jumping up. And Kyle never snatched over 40 kilos. He never cleaned over 60 kilos. He never squatted over 100 kilos. Everything was just – the same thing every single day, and we would switch the cycles like I explained, and it worked extremely well. So I'm like, man, we got something here. So then I decided, you know what? I'm going to start competing again. And so I started experimenting it on myself. And I had I was old, older. I was, you know, 35, 36 years old. And I started – my goal was just to throw 17 meters and make the finals at the local meets. Well, the first meet I had, I threw over 18 meters. And then I threw a lifetime best and every competition I had, I was over 18 meters. So I'm like, wow, this really does work. And I'm thinking I'm not lifting heavy. Heck, I didn't even bench press for the whole year that I was doing that. I was just doing specific development exercises. I was just cleaning, snatching, squatting, step upping, et cetera. 
So then I had a really gifted athlete named Ganika Wichiku, and uh, she's a, a female thrower. And her first year, she threw 42 or 43 feet, which is like 12, 1230, 1240, somewhere around there, 1250 in meters. And then I put her on the system and she jumped right to 14 meters. And then her senior year, she went 15 meters. And so obviously I knew I had something. And the final example is most recently, one of my athletes, Kai Dynas, uh, he came to me three years ago during the COVID time and he had thrown the shot um, like 11 meters or so, uh, the 10 pound. And he had thrown the discus, the 1.6 kilo discus, roughly, uh, I don't know, not even 40 meters, like 35 meters, let's say. Well, we started working together. And after one year, he threw 16 meters in the shot and uh, 52 meters in the discus. And then he threw uh, 1940 in the shot the following year and uh, 60, 60, 60, like 60 meters in the, in, the, in the discus, just doing that system. And he is extremely powerful, extremely big, and we didn't, we never trained heavy. And so it really turned a light on in my head and said, wow, we're getting all our volume in, okay, our tonnage, our tonnage et cetera, by, by lifting two days on, one day off. But we're also moving everything for speed. And most of the big jumps come from throwing all the different weighted implements, the specific strength movement, uh, specific strength and specific speed from throwing heavy shots and light shots. But moving the bar as fast as we can using this system has really made a huge difference in, in our training and the adaptability of the athlete. And if you really think about it, when they do something for a month on, two days on, one day off every session, they're going to get good at it. And when they get good at it, their skill level improves and they adapt well. And so, you know, that's the beauty of the system. And that's that's what got me interested in. That's how I got into it. And that's how I'll continue to do it. Right now I have uh, Aja Johnson, who is a sophomore. She's grade 10. And she's one of the best sophomores in the country in the shot in the discus. And we've been using a traditional system with her. I was very simplistic with her her freshman year. This year we got more complicated with the traditional system. Next year, you know what we're doing? Dr. B system. And we're going to see what happens. So we should have a big jump with her during using that system as well. Nice, nice. So have you ever used the bonder truck system to a like to a sprinter? Because like, let's say like for a 100 meter sprinter, they have like acceleration day, they have max V day, they have speed endurance day. So if have you ever used it with a sprinter and what would what would what what way be? Now, I personally have never used it with a sprinter. However, we have had um, talks about how we would do it with a sprinter. So let me tell you how we would do it with a sprinter. So typically, if you're a one-event athlete, you have one program, right? So if you're a two-event athlete, like a discus shot putter, you'll have the two programs. So um, you'll have part one and part two. So let's break that down. So we talked about the exercise classifications. You have your specific development exercise, your specific preparatory exercise, and your GPE circuit. Let's take a shot putter to start. We'll go to get to the sprinter. We'll take a shot putter and a discus thrower. Day one, he would do his shot put throwing, followed by a shot put specific development exercise, followed by an Olympic lift, let's say the clean, which would be SPE number one, followed by his GPE circuit. Next day or next session, he would do discus, discus SDE, followed by his lower body movement, which would be SPE number two, followed by his general preparation circuit. So you have those two parts. Now it's going to take a little bit longer to adapt because you're doing two different parts. 
but it's going to be A, B. So program A, program B, program A, program B. It's got to stay in that order all the time. With a sprinter, you talk about max accel- max, uh, acceleration day. You talk about endurance day. Um, some guys have a tempo day. So if you have that, okay, what you would do is you have a two or a three-part program and do it rotating in that manner, right? So um, you would just have a two or three-part program, follow the same plan and or same type of exercise classification, and, and you'd be good to go. Um, and so, for example, the first developmental cycle might be more, uh, how do I say it, where you're pulling sleds and things like that, right? So that might be developmental cycle number one. Well, developmental cycle number two, that's my, where you, the 1080 comes and you start pulling guys, right? And so you have more of a, a strength type emphasis, okay, in the first part of, or in the first developmental cycle. You get to that second developmental cycle. You still keep your, your acceleration days and things like that. But when you get to that second developmental cycle, you may be more of a overspeed type emphasis. Does that make sense? And that's how I would do that with a sprinter for sure. Nice, nice, nice. So um, let's say, so if it's like three parts of the program, it's, is it going to take like two or three times longer for the athlete to peak? When you have two programs, what I've found, it takes roughly one and a half times. Um, and then a three-part program, which is people have done and we've done, it takes roughly one and a half to two times longer, nice. um, typically. But like I said, everybody's a little bit different, and you know that's why it's tailored to individuals. So, um, but yeah, roughly one and a half times. Like uh, my athlete Ty Dynas, he's on a two-part program, and we've done one-part programs before. Uh, so it takes roughly one and a half times. Typically, he's around thirty. Uh, for a one-part program, he's around 45 or so for a two-part program. Cool. So, uh, are are you gonna are, are you gonna implement the Doctor B system into like the sprinter any day sooner? Well, I have a sprinter right now named Kalfani Muhammad that I work with, and he's ran a 1021. Um, he's just out of the NFL. Um. He was a four-time state champion here in California, and we did a traditional program back then when he was in high school. Uh, uh, we're doing a traditional program now because he just got out of the NFL, and well, believe it or not, in the NFL, like their training regimens aren't exactly the greatest thing. Uh, a lot of guys do stuff on their own and whatnot. And so when he got back, we had to kind of rebuild him a little bit and get back after it, and he would be somebody now that would be a candidate to do the Dr. B system with. So um, he's going to run from Puerto Rico, and uh, – after this season, we're going to start trying to implement that with him in the future. Nice. So probably next year I'll reach out to you. We can discuss it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See how it works out. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. So that's kind of like all the questions I have for you today. So if there's like coaches and or therapists are interested in what we're talking about today, where can they reach out to you? Uh, you can reach out to me at uh, Instagram at Nick underscore G underscore Garcia. Uh, Twitter is the same handle at Nick underscore G underscore Garcia. Um, I also have another Instagram at Garcia perform. Okay. At G A R C I A P E R F O R M. And uh, my email address is Nick underscore G underscore Garcia at yahoo.com. And uh, I typically respond within the day. And if it's a long question, detailed answer, 
then it might take me a few more days because I like to respond in full detail with, uh, you know, a proper answer since you reached out. Um, I actually got a few people waiting for responses right now on, on uh, Dr. B. Uh, they sent me their Dr. B uh, templates on uh, their, their cycles or spreadsheets. So I got to kind of analyze that and see where they're at and uh, let them know if it's going good or not. Cool. It's been a long time since I have a Yahoo email. To say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's got my name, so I don't want to uh, I don't want to lose that email. I have, I, you know, believe it or not, I used to have Hotmail. Oh. My other email is Nick underscore G underscore Garcia Hotmail. So when I switched to Yahoo, I felt, hey, I'm getting in with it now. Now it's not so much. Now it's old school again. <laughs> cool, cool, cool.